At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is our number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got a tremendous hour for you as coming up in about 45 minutes, we're going to be jumping into the NFL conversation with Josiah Clark. He does a great job taking a look at the analytics side of things in terms of the NFL. We're going to get some of his thoughts. Coming up for the upcoming NFL season, you're able to find them at 4for4.com. So we're going to have a great chat there while I'm talking a little bit of NFL in our number one. So we're going to be continuing that in our number two as well. But here in the meantime, we've got all the games for Monday in the MLB done with the Nationals being able to polish off the Dodgers about 30 or so minutes ago as we're doing this live by a count of 4-1 to one to be able to cash as a massive underdog. So... Now that the Monday slate is complete, we need to turn it forward to Tuesday, and we need to turn it to give a little bit of shout-out to all the great, hardworking folks behind the scenes as well as Jason Kahn, my wonderful producer, always does a great job on this show whenever I hold it down for Scott Seidenberg, who's enjoying some much, much-deserved vacation. He does a great job always rolling out the red carpet, providing a great guest list and making sure that things are all in line. And then on top of that, you got my technical director, Andrew. He does a great job with all the graphics that you wind up seeing on screen. And much like myself, a gentleman from the great state of Wisconsin. And if you like this show to look at or your fancy is a little bit of a different VEASAN show, like Follow the Money, a numbers game, primetime action, this goes on and on. Every single show of every single... Every single hour, I should say, of every single show that we wind up doing, that is up at vsin.com slash podcast for your listening enjoyment. And Oliver is the man that winds up posting up all those hours. And then you've got my audio engineer, Taylor. Sometimes what I say doesn't wind up making as much sense, but it always sounds very sharp, and that's because Taylor does an amazing job. So I work with the best in the business. They always hold up their end of the bargain. Time for me to hold up my end of the bargain as we wind up going with the DK Nation pick today of what is going to be, in my opinion, the best pitching batch upon the board? How about if we go 9-5, 9-6? The Atlanta Braves, they're on the road. They're facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Nola hopes to be super for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Spencer Strider is going to be on the bump for Atlanta. And in Atlanta, they find themselves as minus-120 favorites pretty much across the board. The lone exception is I'm seeing a straight minus-115 out there. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, they're anywhere between even money and plus-110 total on this game. We're seeing a dip on the opener. It opened up at 8. If you're still fighting an 8, there's going to be heavy, juicy under. Right now, we're seeing a lot of 7 halves start to circulate onto the board. And I cannot blame folks for this one. I personally wind up taking an 8 
under. I want to say my total at 7.8, so 7.5 would be my buy point on the over. So if you still have an 8, I would say jump on it right now because it's probably not going to be long-lasting. At a 7.5, that's when I would start to take a look at the over personally. But write-up is not going to be on the total. Write-up is going to be on the money line. And I feel like the Phillies should be more like a minus 112 to a minus 114-ish favorite. I do think that this is going to be a very good pitching matchup, but I take a look at Aaron Nola and his numbers at home thus far this season have been a little bit strange because typically he's a little bit more sharp than what he has been. He's got a 415 home area compared to a road area of a 230. He's really had Murphy's Law wind up hitting him at home as well because for Aaron Nola, his opponent's batting average is significantly better at home rather than on the road. He's really been pinpoint accurate no matter where he's been this year. It doesn't matter if he's at home. It doesn't matter if he's on the road. He's been posting up less than one and a half walks per nine innings, and I believe among qualifying pitchers, his walks per nine rate is the best out there in the major leagues, but he's just had a case in which all the home runs that he's given up, all of them have wound up coming at home. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression for it, and I mean, that really bears itself out in terms of the advanced numbers as well. He's got a 3.13 ERA, but the fielding independent is actually lower at a 2.82. So that shows that he's been getting a little bit unlucky and also his strikeouts to walk rate right around an 8.6. That is the best among qualifying National League starters as well. And then for Spencer Strider, we have noticed that his ERA has gone up a little bit ever since he went from the bullpen to being a starter in late May. Now, this is to be expected, but it's been by a little bit more than a full point. His starter as a his ERA as a starter, it's been more around about a 3-4. Meanwhile, it was a 222 when he was coming out of the bullpen. So a little bit of a concern there. And the big thing for Spencer Strider is you just don't know how much length he's going to be able to give you because the command has been all over the place with him. 3.6 walks per nine innings. So to his credit, two walks or fewer in now seven out of his last eight starts. So he's been able to clean that up a little bit and 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been very dominant with that regard, but that ERA jump ever since he has been going from being a bullpen piece to coming out of the, the shoot right away and being a starter, that is a little bit of a concern. And on top of that, the Philadelphia Phillies may have been able to do an incredible job with their bullpen. Ever since they wanted canning Joe Girardi, things have been really locking into place with them. You've seen someone like a Corey Knebel go from more of a closer role to being Someone in the seventh inning, right hands or Anthony Dominguez. These are guys that you're able to use in high leverage situations. And with the Phillies, you really don't need to dive into some of their, shall we say, less than trustworthy guys that wind up coming out of the bullpen like Jose Alvarado and company because typically you're going to get some relatively good length out of Aaron Nolan. For the Philadelphia Phillies, ever since June 22nd, so the last five weeks, they've got the number one bullpen area in the National League at a 247. Well, the Braves, they certainly aren't chopped liver or anything like that in terms of their bullpen. Overall for the season, they're in the top two in bullpen ERA in the National League. And in this time span, they're 11th overall in the MLB, but certainly has been faltering a little bit more. We did wind up seeing that on full display on Monday with A.J. Minter giving up the three runs in the eighth inning. That wound up costing the team the game. And for both of these teams, they rank in the top 10 in terms of runs per game and really home runs per game with the Phillies. There's been a little bit of a fall off with this team because they have been dealing with the injury to Bryce Harper, but still, you've got Kyle Schwarber. Batting average leaves a little bit of something to be desired. He's sitting below at 215, but has been able to deliver 30 home runs for this team. And then you've got Nick Cassianos, JT Riamuto, Odubo Herrera, a lot of guys sitting in that pocket about a 242, 250. You do need it a little bit more out of Cassianos, in my opinion. It's been a tough year for him. He's got a negative war, so it's not necessarily been so terrific. And for the Atlanta Braves, you do have 
just firepower up and down this lineup. Adam Duvall, he's currently out due to injury, and it had been a bad year for him, but you've had other guys be able to step up, like Michael Harris is second, along with Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley. All these guys hanging between about a 285 to a 295, and entering into Monday, Austin Riley over the last 30 days in the span of his last 99 at-bats, 10 home runs and inning a 397. That's pretty darn good right there. So he's been firing all soldiers. Ronald Acuna Jr. is able to reach base for you. Now Marcelo Zuna needs a little bit of help with regards to batting average, but still giving you 17 home runs. These guys have been able to do a solid job of being able to give you some good at-bats, but I do think that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be able to get it done because I do think that Aaron Ola is going to be able to lend a good start at home. And like I said, with this total getting down to a 7.5, this would be my buy point on the over. I personally would rather have an 8 under rather than a 7.5 over, but I did wind up saying my total to wear a 7.5 or less looking at an over an 8 or higher to the under. But what I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation is going to be the Philadelphia Phillies in the spot. I think that the wrong team is favored. I think that the Phillies at home, especially being able to get a little bit of upward momentum and seeing the Braves start to allow a few more runs, 4-plus and 6 out of their last 9 games, they're starting to show a little bit of falter after they wound up having that just scorched earth run in the beginning of June into July. I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get it done at home. So looking at the Phillies on the money line in terms of the DK Nation pick, and I'm going to be taking a look at an 8-under personally. And then we've got a, another game that I think is going to be relatively hotly contested, and this is one in which I wind up going with the road team on. How about 903-904? The Miami Marlins, they're going to be in the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. The words of Bill Belichick, we are on at Cincinnati, and they're on Hunter Green getting the start for them. And Pablo Lopez is going to be going for the Miami Marlins, and the Marlins are going to be getting them anywhere between about a minus 108 to a minus 114. And with the Cincinnati Reds, find them as bad as a minus 110, as good as a plus 104 with 8.5 being your total. And for Pablo Lopez, it's been a little bit of an up-and-down season for him. He has given up more than four runs and now two out of his last five starts, but the other three starts, he's allowed one run or fewer. So you've either seen really good Pablo Lopez or you've seen really bad Pablo Lopez. He does have an ERA that's about a point higher on the road rather than at home, but by and large, he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up about one home run for nine innings. He's been able to keep the walks relatively tame, and you cannot say that about Hunter Green. Home and road, he has been giving up north of a 5-5 ERA. He has been surrendering the deep ball too much as well. Over two home runs per nine innings, his walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood of four, lots of issues, and then you factor in the Reds' bullpen. They are the only bullpen that is north of a 4.65 ERA, and their ERA is closer to about a 5.2 to a 5.3. Other than really Alexis Diaz, who has been banged up quite a bit this season, you don't have really a single guy that's coming out giving you south of a 3.50 ERA. Guys like Joe Kunal, Hunter Strickland, Dory Moretta, throwing their Luis Sessa, so many guys posting up a north of five ERA. And I'm not here to say that the Miami Marlins bullpen is great, but I mean, among your 30 MLB teams, they're hovering right around like 17th, 18th. Anthony Bass has been able to do a solid job posting up a sub two ERA. Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, they're not necessarily great pieces, but when it's not necessarily great, and you're going to need a little bit more out of this lineup for the Miami Marlins. It's just they're a deep ball because they've got Jazz Chisholm, who's currently out due to injury, or a Soler. He has been in and out of the fold as well as he, Asu Sanchez, run there, Brian De La Cruz, Jacob Sawings, all these guys hitting a 225 or lower. But you do have Joey Wendell who's able to move the line, sitting at 275. Gary Cooper's been a little bit banged up, but he's been able to above a 280 as well. And for the Reds, 
to their credit, they've been able to average right around 5.1 runs per game. That's significantly better from the 3.5 runs per game that they get on the road. And in terms of biggest home and road splits, in terms of the offense, really only the Colorado Rockies have a bigger one. But that bullpen, it is a big, giant concern. Even with Brandon Drury being able to belt out 19 home runs, hitting a 270, having so many of these guys like Tyler Stevenson being able to help out in the lineup, I do think that it's going to be tough for the Reds to be able to overcome Hunter Green and all the hard contact that he's going with. And I do like this total over as well. I think that the Miami Marlins are going to get their offense awakened against Mr. Green. So going to be taking a look at this total over. And I did wind up making the Marlins around a minus 122 favorite. So I'm going to be willing to ride with them. And we're just getting warmed up in terms of the MLB card for Tuesday. We looked at some National League games. So we're going to hit the American League on the other side right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Back here on the look at on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network, it's Greg Peterson holding it down tonight for Scott Seidenberg. And as a matter of fact, I'll be holding it down all week for Scott as he's enjoying some nice vacation and glad to be aboard with you guys because we've got a great slate of MLB action for Tuesday. Want to take a look at some National League games in the first segment of this hour. And here in this segment, how about if we wind up giving a little bit of love to the American League as I want writing this one up for DK Nation on Monday. On of taking the under, that one going forward. Shall we take another under on Tuesday? We shall see as 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board is the Tampa Bay Rays. Going on the road, they're going to be going up against the Baltimore Orioles. Spencer Watkins is going to be going for the Orioles. And Shane McClanahan, right now the Cy Young Award leader in the clubhouse for the Tampa Bay Rays in terms of the odds board, is going for them. And the Rays, they are finding themselves as a rather hefty favorite. You're going to be getting them in between a minus 188 to Size minus two dollars, and you're going to be getting between plus one seventy and plus one seventy five as your price on Baltimore with a total of eight. A little bit of juice to the under, but a little bit surprising that this total wound up opening up as seven and a half, and now we have seen it go to eight because there's just not really a lot of signs of life in terms of the Tampa Bay Rays offense. Now they did wind up getting it back, Brandon Lau, who wound up missing much of the first half of the season, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job. He wound up having, as a matter of fact, the only run. At the Tampa Bay Rays wound up plating on Monday via a solo home run, but the Tampa Bay Rays, they're right now missing Wander Franco, and that is a big loss for this team because 
Without him, it's been an offense that has not been able to generate a lot. They're currently ranked right around 21st to 22nd in the league in terms of runs per game, though. The Orioles aren't much better. They are outside of the top 20 in terms of runs per game themselves. As for the Orioles, just don't necessarily have a lot of firepower with this team. You do have Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle combining for 30 home runs thus far this season. And for Mountcastle, throwing their Cedric Mullins, Austin A's, Ramon Arias. These guys are in between about a 260 to a 268. But you don't necessarily have guys that are able to take you over the top. And then got a lot of guys like Ore Mateo, Jonathan Arus. You're able to throw in there. Rudnett Odor, Robinson Chirinos, a lot of guys hitting at 210 or lower for the team. And I mean, look no further than the Tampa Bay race. I mean, Vidal Brujan, who I think has been actually sent down to the minor leagues because he was just not doing a great job. He, Luke Rayleigh, Taylor Walls, Brett Phillips, pretty much anyone that they throw out their catcher spot, not named Francisco Mia, and they've thrown out their guys like Rene Pinto, Mike Zanino, and company. All these guys are aimed below the middle line of 200. You've got a lot of dead bats out there for the Tampa Bay race. Now, at the top, you do have guys that are able to get on base. Yandy Diaz has been able to give you a 400 on base. When Aaron Ramirez has been out there, as he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, he's hitting above a 310, and then G-Man Choi is right around a 370 on base, but you don't have a lot of guys that are able to really give you much for the Tampa Bay race. And with the race, when they wind up getting to pretty much, I would say the five through nine hitters, you just have a bunch of guys in which if they wind up getting a hit out of their out of them, you need to celebrate because you just don't get too many of them. And both of these bullpens have been very solid. The Tampa Bay Rays, they rank in the top eight in terms of bullpen ERA, and the Orioles are fourth in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, the one thing with the Baltimore Orioles is that it was pretty much a pseudo-bullpen game on Monday as you wind up having Austin Voth wind up going out there for three innings. He's been pretty much used for three or four innings all season long, so this was a little bit expected. But as a result, you had Cino Perez, Felix Batista, both wind up having to be used up along Dylan Tate for innings as all these guys have a 235 ERA or lower, but that means that Ori Lopez is still available. You also still have Keegan Aiken who's able to give you multiple innings. So you still have a lot of guys for this Baltimore Orioles team with a sub-250 ERA or better. You're able to throw in there Joe Creeble as well. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the race, you've got more of your trustworthy guys that are available for this team as well. Jason Adam. You're able to throw in there Brooks Raley. You've been able to get some very good production as well out of someone like Matt Weisler. you got a lot of guys posting up a sub-260 ERA, but take a look at Shane McClanahan. He's got a buck 45 ERA on the road. This guy's been absolutely magnificent, getting over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. So Shane McClanahan has been able to go out there. He's been able to do his job every single time, and he's been able to cut down on the walks as well as his walks per nine rate. That is right now sub two. So he's been able to do a nice job being able to hold down the Ford and for Spencer Watkins. And this is someone that last season, he was about as bad as bad gets. Now, it's not like he's like some sort of an ace this season, but I mean, he certainly has improved from an 807 ERA, giving up right around two and a half home runs per nine innings. A strikeout to walk rate that was sub two. Now, walks are still an issue for him. He is still giving up. Right in the neighborhood, about 3.8 walks per nine innings. He is going to need to cut down on that, but has been able to do a nice job being able to induce a little bit of softer contact. You can tell that the pushed-out field out there in Camden Yards, that has been able to help them out quite a bit. Home runs that would have been going out last season, this season I've been able to stay in the yard, and that's helped out guys like Spencer Watkins, Jordan Lyles. You're able to go down your list of the Baltimore Orioles starters, but I once again see a little bit of a lower-scoring game. I did wind up saying my total... To where pretty much anything above a 7, I'd be taking a look at the under. I thought that 7.5 was a good number for the under. Now you're getting 8, even better in my book. But 
with the Rays, it really becomes a case in which do you want to risk taking them on the run line because this is a Baltimore Orioles bunch that they have been the best run line team in all of baseball. Now, a lot of this has been because they have been catching a run and a half in a lot of spots. It's not necessarily because they've been some world beater winning a bunch of games by two plus runs or anything like that because, I mean, let's call it what it is, the Orioles prior to the season and games not affected by COVID-19 that aren't 60 games long. Last time they had really lost fewer than 100 games, I believe that you had to go back to the 2017 season. But for the Baltimore Orioles, 62 and 34 on the run line. That is by far the best cover rate in all baseball. Number two is actually the LA Dodgers because they've been able to win a lot of their games by multiple runs. But these are the only two teams hitting the run line at more than a 57 and a percent clip. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, they themselves have been a team that has struggled a little bit on the run line. They're only covering it in right around 46% of their games. But Shane McClanahan, he is a little bit of a Chico with this regard. And if you are taking a look at the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, a lot of spots have this right around about a minus 115 to a minus 120. If I'm able to find a minus 115, I will be taking a look at the run line of the Rays because this is a situation where with the Baltimore Orioles, I would need at least a plus 190 to be able to take a shot on them. And we just aren't close there. So I'm going to be looking for right around a minus 115 on the run line to take a look at the Rays and also going to be taking a look at an under as well. This is one that is starting to come onto the board as well. Was a little bit of mystery in terms of this game until... We wound up seeing the announcement of the starter for the Houston Astros, which is going to be Luis Garcia. This is 917-918 on the betting board. We only have a few books that currently have this posted up, and one of those books is right out here where I sit. That would be Circa. And right now at Circa, the Houston Astros, minus 163 favorites, and Frankie Montas and the Oakland A's are a plus 148, and your total is 7 with the juice on the over end. I do recognize that the Oakland A's, last two games, they've been able to play a combined 15 runs even with this outburst, they are still hitting as a collective below the Mendoza line of a 200 at home. You don't have a single guy that's hit for more than 12 home runs this season. They are still dead last in terms of runs per game at home. I cannot trust in these seven over, which typically it is a case in which sevens are deemed as very, very low in Major League Baseball. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. And you do have a Houston Astros team that may be able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball themselves. Jordan Alvarez. He's been able to do a nice job being able to crank out right around 28 to 29 home runs thus far this season. You've been able to have Jose Altuve be able to give you 19 home runs. He's hitting right around at 275 as well. We all have those names that you know and love, but you do have Michael Bregman still, or Alex Bregman still hitting right around about at 235. You've got Michael Brantley, who has been on the injured list for much of the season. I will say this for the Astros. Yuli Gurriel has been not necessarily himself along with LMNDC as this season. Over the last 30 days, both of these guys are now hitting a 270 or greater. So that's going to be able to help out this team a little bit. But when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of Frankie Montas, he's just a man that pretty much has no help around him. Because with Frankie Montas, he has made 11 quality starts this year. And a quality start currently in Major League Baseball is constructed. He must go at least six innings and give up three runs or fewer. The team is 3-8 and eight in those 11 quality starts. I mean, the guy just can't catch a break. When do you see a guy have a 3.18 ERA, give up one home run per nine innings, get over nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and have a three and nine record? I mean, this guy is just snake bitten right now because the Oakland A's have nothing around him. And for the A's, you actually have a couple decent bullpen pieces: Zach Jackson, Domingo Acevedo, Sam Mall, AJ Puck. All have a sub three ERA. So the pitching is not terrible for this Oakland A's team. They play in a very pitcher friendly ballpark, especially during the nighttime, where actually Oakland 
during the daytime, it's not necessarily terrible for hitters because it is a case in which a ball is able to fly relatively solidly. Get to the nighttime, you've got the marine layer out, and that ball is just not flying at all. So that's a big reason why the Oakland A's have had their difficulties in terms of the offense. But take a look at Frankie Montas at home. He has one in five at home with a 2.27 ERA. Gosh, I mean, you just can't help but feel for the guy. I mean, this might wind up being his last start at Oakland because I fully expect that at the trade deadline he's going to be dealt. I mean, there were rumors that prior to the season he might wind up getting dealt, wind up beginning the season with the Oakland A's after they couldn't trade him, after they sold off Shamanea, after they wound up giving away Matt Chapman, and after they wound up seeing about 55 people wind up witnessing Oakland A's games this season because the ownership really does not care about being able to get butts in the seats, which is relatively sad, but I would need at least a plus 157 to take a shot in the Oakland A's, I can tell you right now. The sevens I'm seeing, I'm going to be taking a look at the under with those. And coming up next here on the look at, we have to take a look at a little bit more of the futures market in terms of Major League Baseball right here on VSIN, the Sports Banking Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch today with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. You're able to compete for free in 20 pools for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and... As usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and coming up in about 15 minutes, going to be joined by Josiah Clark. He does a great job taking a look at the analytics of football at 444.com. That is the number four, the word four, and then the number four again, .com. He does a great job being able to take a look at one of the most, I guess you could call it, interesting betting markets out there because it's so hard to go anything other than 50%. In terms of the NFL, just because the odds makers, they do such a good job of being able to set these lines. So he is going to be lending his thoughts coming into the season, what he is taking a look at. So we're going to have a great chat there. But in the meantime, got to take a look at the futures market in terms of Major League Baseball. We've been taking a look at a few games for Tuesday, but certainly trade deadline, it is coming about. We are going to be seeing that come to pass in a little bit over seven days from now. And we do have quite a few divisions out there that are there for the taking now. There are a couple that we are able to really cross off and, well, just conclude that no team is going to be able to catch them. The Houston Astros, if you're looking at any other team out there in the West other than the Houston Astros, well, I really do salute you, and it would take a massive calamity and a Herculean run for anyone to be able to catch up with them. I mean, boy, the Astros, you'd have to lay pretty much $20,000 to get back $100 on them in the futures market to be able to win that division. I think that we can call that as good as done. If you think that someone's going to be able to win the National League West, that is not the LA Dodgers. I don't know what you are taking a look at right now, but that would be very interesting because the Dodgers, they're right now minus 8,000. Padres, country mile back. So that is one in which I think that we could take a look at and assume that they've got it. And I know that there's a little bit of concern about the Yankees, but they're right now minus 3,500 to be able to win the AL East. They should be able to win this division. I recognize that the Toronto Blue Jays are playing a little bit better right now, but 
I think that that one is relatively safe as well. But most of these divisions, they're out there for the taking. And the one that I think is just the most interesting of them all is the way that the AL Central is right now priced because the Tigers and the Kansas City Royals, if you're looking to bet on either of these teams to be able to win the division, well, I encourage you to just make a donation to your local food bank. Well, if you have a different charity of choice, well, you can wind up helping them out as well. They would greatly appreciate your donation because that's what you'd be given the books by betting out either of these two teams. But the White Sox are right now four games back. They're at 500. The Cleveland Guardians, they right now find themselves three games back. And the Twins, right now, they're your leader in the AL Central. And, I mean, the odds between the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins, they're relatively 50-50. Right now at DraftKings, you're finding the Twins at a plus 115. White Sox is a plus 120, depending on your book. You might find the White Sox is a very slight favorite over the Minnesota Twins. You might wind up finding the Twins, like we're seeing at DraftKings, just a notch ahead of the Chicago White Sox. But that said, you're finding them right, relatively in that neighborhood. And then the Cleveland Guardians, they clock in at a plus 450. And I just don't understand the disrespect for the Cleveland Guardians. Should they be the favorite in the division? No, I would not set them as north of a minus or north of a plus 150 or anything like that. But... And the Cleveland Guardians have proven all year long that this is a relatively solid team. And they've got one thing that these other two teams don't. A really good manager in Terry Francona. And that matters down the stretch. Now, is it enough to be able to make like a five or six win difference? I don't think so. But at the same time, I think that having Terry Francona in the dugout rather than, oh, I don't know, an 80 plus year old guy that has no idea what he's doing at this point and is completely out of touch with his team. It's going to be able to help them out a little bit more, and we've already seen that thus far this season. It's a Cleveland Guardians team that they've made the right moves at the right time. They are not a team that's going to go out there and just wind up walloping a bunch of homers or anything like that, but you know what the Cleveland Guardians are able to do? They're able to play good, solid baseball. They've got a guy in the middle that's able to drive them in, and Jose Ramirez, who ranks in the top five in terms of RBI. They've got competent starting pitchers as well. Other than Shane Bieber, you don't have a lot of guys that are going to go out there and they're going to give you a bunch of punch outs. And even Shane Bieber this year, we've seen his strikeout numbers fall, but it's not like his ERA has gotten completely jacked up or anything like that. News of the demise of Shane Bieber is a little bit overblown. Is he as good as he was in like 2020? No, but I mean, the guy's still posting up right around 355 ERA. He's honestly been probably a little bit unlucky this year with that. He's been doing a good job of being able to cut down on the walks, and that's really been this entire Cleveland Guardians team. Like Tristan McKenzie, for instance, he's been able to post up a 311 ERA. Walks per nine rate, hovering right around about a 2.6-ish. Cal Quantrill, walks per nine rate, a little bit closer to about a 2.8. Pitch to contact guy. I mean, it's a Cleveland Guardians team that they do the little things really well, and this is something that's going to go into a funk. While they're not getting home runs, and the White Sox in the division, they're not getting home runs as well. The White Sox, they've been just praying for a lot of these guys to get healthy. And guess what? The guys have gotten healthy, and Lance Lynn has been terrible this year. He's gotten north of a 6 ERA. The guy has given up at least three runs at all but two of his starts this season because the White Sox rushed him back. They thought that they really needed him when, in reality, they could have probably given someone like Davis Martin, who's a competent starting pitcher, a shot. And instead, they wind up rushing back Lance Lynn, and as a result, He's broken, and he hasn't been able to find it all season long, really, aside from his last start against the Cleveland Guardians. So that has been a big issue for them. I do think that the Minnesota Twins are the team that, when it's all said and done, they are 
the team that should be the favorite in the division because with the Minnesota Twins, I recognize that they've had to mix and match with regards to the starting rotation. You've had Chris Archer not be able to complete anything more than five innings this far this season. Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy. He's looked like Al Bundy on the road. He's been pitching like Dylan at home. He's been able to do a very solid job in Minnesota on the road. Not so much of a great ordeal, but I mean, you've got Sonny Gray who's been a little bit banged up since he's been able to come back. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. Got a lot of guys there. Are able to be long guys in the bullpen like uh, Yohan Duran, Griffin Jacks. These guys are solid, and if they wind up giving Josh Winder a few more starts as well, I think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job, but the reason why I do like the Minnesota Twins to be able to win the division is just because I feel like they've got the best lineup. With the Cleveland Guardians, you've got a lot of guys that are able to get on base. I mean, you take a look outside of Jose Ramirez. You've got Steven Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor. You're able to throw in there someone like an Oscar Gonzalez. He hasn't gotten a lot of at-bats, but Nolan Jones, all these guys are in a 275 or greater for the team. But take a look at the Swins. And I mean, Byron Buxton, to this point, has only been hitting right in the pocket about a 215 to a 220. His home runs per at-bat rate hovering right around 11.5, but he hasn't even necessarily been himself, and he's been banged up for quite a few games this season. As a matter of fact, he has already sat out of 23 games thus far this season, and still, the team has been relatively solid and has been able to hold down the fort, and he's really been the main power bat for this team. You've got Carlos Correa and Ode Palanco, both of these guys between 12 and 14 home runs, so they've been able to give you a little bit of something, but even with their power diminished, both of these guys, north of a 350 on base, Luis Arias, it cannot be overstated how big he is for this team because he's hitting a 341 with a 413 on base. In a day and age in which we're probably going to see someone like Patrick Wisdom strike out north of 200 times, Joey Gallo somehow, someway makes a bunch of money and winds up getting at-bats for one of the best teams out there in baseball. How, why, I have no idea, but Joey Gallo has right now a career in the MLB. It's refreshing to see a guy that doesn't wind up striking out 500 times actually Tries to make contact. I mean, something that I take a look at in Major League Baseball is these guys that they don't strike out because even when you wind up having soft contact, at the very least, you force the fielder to make the play in. I mean, look no further than the Boston Red Sox. Even things that wind up looking very, very routine, even the best in the business, they wind up creating errors. So I do think that that is something that is very important. I think that that's something that's going to be able to help out the Minnesota Twins. And once again, it's the little things that winds up helping this team out, whereas the Chicago White Sox, You've got a manager that is completely out of touch with being able to teach these little things and a bullpen that's currently outside the top 15 in terms of ERA. Now, all three of these bullpens can be a little bit shaky. For the Cleveland Guardians, we've seen the long guys like Sam Hentages, Eli Morgan, a pair of failed starters. They have begun to regress a little bit. And as a result, Cleveland Guardians have seen a little bit of regression in terms of their bullpen, but they still rank 11th overall for the season in terms of bullpen ERA. Minnesota Twins, they are about as league average as league average gets. They are currently 15th in the league, but you take a look at the Chicago White Sox, and they've really been all over the place with this ERA, or with this bullpen. They've got north of a four ERA out there in the pen. That's good for 18th in the league, and I think that that could wind up being an albatross for them moving forward because you don't wind up having Liam Hendricks and and Kendall Grayman wind up giving you innings. It does wind up hurting this team long-term, and I do think that managerially, it is going to wind up hurting them as well. We've all been hearing about the White Sox being able to make this run, and they do have a little bit of an easier schedule down the stretch, but if I'm looking at the futures market right now, I think that the best value on the board is the Guardians. The team I'd like to be able to win at the most is the Minnesota Twins, and the team that I wouldn't touch with the 20-foot pole, that would be the Chicago White Sox. So I do think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at, and this is going to be a little bit of subject to change because if you see the White Sox 
wind up spending. They wind up making a big move at the trade deadline. That could wind up making a couple of shuffles in that end. And I see a lot of shuffling with a lot of NFL markets out there. And Josiah Clark, he does a great job of taking a look at the game of NFL, of, of football, I should say, out there in the NFL. And coming up next, he's going to be joining me. We're going to be previewing the upcoming season right here on VEASAN Esports Hang Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you- At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you are looking for more spreads betting discussion around your local teams bet rivers has you covered bet rivers has launched a series of city cast designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective CityCasts are available for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast, wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. As we're back here on The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by Josiah Clark. Does a great job of taking a look at the NFL. You're able to find him on his website, the number four, the word four, and then the number four again.com. He does a great job taking a look at many of the advanced stats in the in the realm of the NFL. And Josiah, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. It's great to have you aboard. And Josiah, something that I know that you've been taking quite a bit of a look of is just the importance of the offensive line because we all talk about how important the quarterback is and no question. Having a good quarterback, that is paramount in the NFL in the same age. But take us through what you take a look at in terms of offensive lines and where some people wind up just maybe not factoring this in enough because I don't think that the big uglies, they wind up getting enough love, and certainly it can be a maker or a breaker for how you wind up handicapping a team. That's certainly true. And what I've been noticing in the offseason is that people tend to look at teams as these individual pieces, the sum of the parts, right? And so this team has a good offensive line. This team has a bad offensive line. And, you know, that's going to impact how well they perform over the course of the season. But the truth is, you know, Coaches in the scheme obviously impact how well the offensive line plays, but even more importantly, the quarterback does. And so something I've been looking back at is the way that certain quarterback archetypes have impacted the actual quality of the offensive line play. So, for example, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurt, some of the most dynamic mobile quarterbacks we've had in the last few years. And in each of their first years as starters, their, the offensive line grades for their team were much lower at the beginning of the season than they they were at the end of the season. And it wasn't because those offensive line magically got better. It was because 
when a quarterback gets out of the pocket, it just makes the offensive line's job easier. So I'm looking at sort of not being as harsh on offensive lines like the Bears because Justin Fields might be able to make their job a lot easier by the way that he gets out of the pocket. I think that that's really interesting to take a look at as well because you bring up such a good point. And there's also a case in which if a quarterback holds on to the ball for north of five seconds, you know what? You're more likely to get a sack rather than if you do a three-step drop, you try to hit a guy on like a post drop, something like that. So I think that that is something that is very important to take a look at. And I know that a team that you've been doing a little bit of a deep dive on recently as well is the Cincinnati Bengals as you're taking a look at their win total. And perfect example of offensive line play because I know theirs has been brought up quite a bit. That injury that Joe Burrow wound up suffering his rookie year, that was not necessarily a good look for them. Obviously, they played a little bit better in the 2021 season. Take me through what you're taking a look at in terms of them because I think that they're one of the more interesting teams because they wound up coming out of, I would say, a little bit of nowhere, being able to make the Super Bowl run this last season. And there's been a lot of buzz within the division, but a lot of the buzz has been around the Browns and the fact that they no longer have Baker Mayfield and what is going to be happening with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, the Bengals are an example of how important it is to be fluid because coming out of last season, I was ready to fade them. I think most people were. They massively overachieved on their way to the Super Bowl. A lot of the things they were doing were not sustainable. And if you look at season-long performance, especially in the regular season, they weren't a Super Bowl-quality team. But you have to look at the context of how they performed, and they actually trended better and better as the season went on. They increased the rate at which they were passing as they got more comfortable. The offensive line played a little bit better. And again, this goes back to what I was saying. When a young quarterback like Burrow is behind the line and can't you know, read NFL defenses as well as someone who's more experienced, like Tom Brady, for example, it's going to be harder for him to call out the pressures. It's going to be harder for him to react. And that makes the offensive line's job harder. But next year, not only did they get three new starters who are all quality offensive linemen, but Burrow's knowledge of the game and knowledge of defense is, is improving. So I think that combination is going to improve the offensive line play dramatically which was their biggest weakness last year so i think we're looking at a a marginally better team overall and the win total came out at only nine and a half and so i think the the you know the people that are making these markets obviously agreed with my take last year that they were overrated but they haven't caught up to what's happened in the offseason and they haven't progressed the way that we would expect a team led by so many young talented players to progress Yep, and when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals as well, I mean that Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow combo, the fact that they wind up playing at LSU as well, I think that's so big for them because not only is it a case of which they're now getting season number two at the pro level, but they wind up getting in some reps at college. They wind up winning a title together as well. So I think that that's just so big as well, and that winds going a little bit under the radar. And how much do you wind up evaluating some of these teams as well that maybe they did wind up having a bunch of missing pieces last year, and they are now going to be getting them back? Because I want to talking a little bit earlier about the, in this show about how I'm pretty bullish on the Baltimore Ravens for this upcoming season. A team that wound up going 8-9, and nine, and not only did they wind up having a bunch of injuries, but I can't remember a team that wound up getting more unlucky in late-game situations other than when they wound up playing ironically enough against the Detroit Lions last season. But I do take a look at this Ravens team, and I think that they should be markably better as well, though the division obviously going to be a little bit of a challenge as well. Definitely, and, and my biggest futures position is Ravens to win the division. I bet it at plus 210 and plus 175. I, I think the Ravens are going to be much better. 
But the thing that, that people do is they assume that a heavily injured team last year is going to be healthy this year. And a healthy team last year, like the Bengals, is going to have some injury regression this year and be injured. But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes, you know, healthy teams are healthy again, and sometimes injured teams suffer injuries again. You, you can't really predict that stuff. But fully healthy, I think the Ravens are the best team in the division. They also have the easiest schedule in terms of those one-off matchups that you get, you know, dealt based on where you finished the previous year. So I do think the Ravens are a smart divisional bet, but I think there's room for two high-quality teams in this division. Uh, and as long as Deshaun Watson gets suspended for at least, you know, some some substantial number of games, I think it's a, it's a two-man race, two-team race. No doubt about it. Just because you wind up taking one team over their season win total doesn't mean that another team can't as well. You probably don't want to be taking four teams in the same division over their season win because, well, when you wind up playing each other twice, you've got 17 games in total. Someone needs to lose a few games along the way, but I mean, we've wound up seeing it the last few years where you can get three teams into the playoffs from the same division. I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up seeing that perhaps from the AFC West this year as well. So I'm right there with you on that. And a team that has been very interesting because in terms of a betting perspective last year, they weren't too bad. If you're looking at them straight up, well, they did absolutely nothing for you whatsoever. That'd be the Detroit Lions, a team in which they were very close. They could not wind up busting through. I mentioned the bad luck that the Baltimore Ravens had. Really the only thing that wanted going right for them in late game situations with that Justin Fields or that Justin Tucker field goal that they wound up having against the Detroit Lions towards the beginning of the season last year. Where do you wind up standing on this team? Right now we're seeing their total for season wins at six and a half. No doubt, a team that probably has a ways to go before they're challenging with a team like the Green Bay Packers or the Minnesota Vikings, but a team that certainly showed a lot of fight last season. It's, it's a very popular team, and I, I understand the appeal, but I can't get there myself because last season they were so bad. And, and I, you know, they were great against the spread. They were great to bet on. But a lot of that was just endgame variance. I, I remember specifically in week one, they were losing 41 to 17 with two minutes left in the game and somehow lost by eight. You know, you had the onside kick, you had the Debo Samuel fumble. These types of things uh, tend not to be predictive of future performance, these these barrages of points that happen in garbage time. And so, you know, my game ratings that I make myself had the Lions as the worst team in the NFL last year. And so asking them to take a leap without a new quarterback, without a good defense, uh, basically just saying, well, you know, they're going to be healthier and their offensive line is great, so you don't really have to have that good of a quarterback those aren't the types of angles that I'm going to want to put my money behind. And so while I'm not fading the lions, I'm not joining the, you know, the popularity of, of backing the lions, to make the playoffs backing the lions to cover their win total. That's one that I'm not, I'm not getting involved with. And I don't blame you there because I mean, when it comes to being able to cover the spread, that's not the same as being able to win outright. Because I mean, if you want to take the lions on the money line every single week last year, it didn't go well for you. If you want to take the Lions on the spread, you know what? You want it coming up pretty okay as well. So I think that that's a very good point that you wind up bringing up in terms of the Detroit Lions as well. And just how much do you wind up factoring in the fact that it is going to be year number two under Dan Campbell and the fact that they are going to be able to bring back some of their missing defensive pieces as well? Because I think that that's interesting. But with you, I just am one of those people that I can't wind up taking the Lions over their win total. I'm not necessarily going to take them under either. Right. And, you know, Dan Campbell seems like a great leader and I think he inspires people, but we don't really, I don't know what their offensive scheme is. I don't know how they're going to turn Jared Goff into a winner. He still has problems diagnosing defenses. He still has 
issues pushing the ball downfield when the game is competitive. And I think those things are going to kind of keep them, you know, like you said, they're going to keep games close because Joe Goff is great when defenses go back and prevent and, you know, they, they just need to, you know, force short completions, but he's not going to, you know, beat good teams. And that's what you need to take that next step. I'm right there with you. Great stuff from Josiah Clark. Does a great job taking a look at the NFL. So a big thanks to him for joining me on the look at it. And coming up next, going to take a look at some MLB for Tuesday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Check out the... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.